following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Hi, my name is Lizzie. I'm 14 years old and I've lived in Minnesota for three and a half years. I attend Central Lutheran Church on Sundays and Legacy Youth Group on Wednesdays. Today I was asked to share about how how Legacy has affected my life, but instead I'd like to share what I feel the difference between a good and a great youth group is. Since I've moved to Minnesota, I've attended three different youth groups. But Legacy is the first youth group I've ever attended where I felt truly excited to come every single week. Every week when I attended my other youth groups, I would love the sermons, but I didn't really care for my small group. There were roughly eight girls in my small group. They never talked to me, they never said hi to me, and when I talked, I got a look. Fast forward to November 2020, one of my closest friends invites me to her youth group. I go having very low expectations, but when I walked into the room, I felt more welcome than I had ever at any of my other youth groups. I'd met almost half the kids before then, but even the ones I didn't know came over and talked to me. If you, don't, if you know me, you know how social I am, so I loved everyone coming to talk to me. And that's never changed. Just the other day, I ran into a girl at the orthodontist from youth group, and she said hi to me. That never used to happen. In my opinion, the difference between a good youth group and an amazing one is the people. And I've never felt anything but loved at Legacy. How's it going, everybody? I'm Landon, and this is Ava, and we are going to be giving a little mini-sermon on Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. And the reason we chose this verse is just because we think it's very relevant at the times we're going through, and just because we all have choices, whether they're good and bad each day, and society is accepting pretty much any choice we make. It's a time where it's, if anything feels right, then you can pretty much do it when that couldn't be more wrong. We have choices on what we listen to, what we watch, what we say, and who we hang out with. And all of those choices will add up and determine which path you're walking on. And we believe that you should be, let's see, we believe that you should be living by the word and not the world. So now we're gonna read the verse and then we're gonna give a little demonstration. So our verse, verse is Matthew 7, 13 through 14, which says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, uh, we have a little visual. Take that microphone. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, we have a little visual. So over here, <laughs> over here we have a wide gate. And then we have our narrow gate to our right. With the wide road, it's super easy. It doesn't take much help. You can go backwards. You can go forward. It, there's no boundaries. You can do whatever you choose, whatever you would like. Because everybody says that everything is okay. But most importantly, it has no boundaries. I can go out or I can go in. Our culture says whatever feels good is good. For example, our cultural identity issues. But walking the narrow road, over here, 
<laughs> you need more concentration, more balance. You, can, you need help from others, help from others, as you walk across. <laughs> In addition, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So as an example, we're going to close our eyes as we don't know what tomorrow will bring. You may need help getting across. Sorry, this is kind of hard to hold. Uh, oh, so nice. Um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> when you are faithful, it's easy to walk across. No one worries. And as time goes, oh my goodness, as time, woo, as time goes on, it gets easier and easier to walk across. Thank you. <laughs> Walking the narrow road is not cheating, not stealing, and not lying on your taxes. <laughs> it's being purposeful with Christ and telling the truth. So to conclude our little mini sermon, I wanted you to remember that taking the narrow path is doing what, it, doing what others are not. It may not be easy and it might be challenging, but with the little choices that we make each day, it should all add up to be those that allow us to walk the narrow path. We encourage you to choose the narrow path as you are not alone and we have Christianly friends to help us through it. Hello everybody, my name is Hope and I'm going to share a little message as we prepare to give our offerings. Now, you might be wondering, why should you give? Well, this is what the Bible says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And that's Malachi 3, verse 10. So that's a reason. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you do not have enough money to give, and therefore like you cannot provide for your family if you do. But I have a testimony that I want to share. So we were living in a rental house in Tennessee. My dad did not have a job, so we mainly got our money from donations. And one time we did not really have enough money to pay rent. And the day we had to pay came closer and we still didn't have enough money. So we had to trust God. And about the day before it was due, somebody gave us enough money. So even if you feel like you do not have enough money, God will provide. You can trust him with your money. On the screen behind me, you will be able to see the ways you can give. We have two baskets for cash and checks up front here. And if you need an envelope, raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. Or, as you can see on the screen, you can also give online. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would bless our offerings and use them for your will. I pray that they will, that you will multiply them. In your name, amen. We've had two weeks to spend talking about uh, power, and I just wanted to talk about spiritual power for a couple minutes today. So, 
Oh yeah, kids are being dismissed. Um, first of all, I would like to reaffirm that spiritual power, among other things, is given to us as a gift when the Holy Spirit enters into us. And I think Isaiah 11.2 puts this very well. Isaiah 11.2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So what does spiritual power look like? In my experience, spiritual power looks like healing leading to, or prayer leading to healing, and hearts being turned from darkness to light. When I've experienced spiritual power myself, it feels like God reaches into his pocket and takes out his trusty little lighter and goes, all right. And I know there's some people that have never experienced that, and I think that's very sad because, in my opinion, it's a very amazing experience. So if you have never experienced it, you might be sitting in your chair like, how do I get some of that, right? <laughs> um, well, you'll be happy to hear that there are many ways that you can get spiritual power. One way is being hungry to learn. A lot of us know the old saying, knowledge is power. We get our knowledge from the Bible. A while back, Ken Beaudry visited our youth group. And he came and spoke about all of these experiences he had encountering the Holy Spirit. And we were all, we, the youth group, we were all just sitting in our couches in that little packed room, you know. <laughs> And we were like, whoa. And then he actually led us in prayer. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> right? Okay. I remember um, Judah, one of my friends, came up to me afterwards and said, man, I don't know what he has, but I want some of that. <laughs> um, but before he led us in prayer, he made one point very clear to us. He said, if you learn nothing else tonight, I want you to learn to ask. Yeah. Ask. It's a three-letter word. It seems so simple. But sometimes we get so caught up in the moment that we forget to ask. And it seems kind of silly because it's just such a simple concept. But really, it's the deciding factor. Do you remember how when God sees one person asking, he takes out his little lighter. Well, when the whole church asks for power, God takes out his flamethrower. Hi, I'm Carla, and I'm reading this for my friend Michaela. It's a testimony of God's greatness and greatness in her life, and how He provided emotional healing and continues to provide a way for her. She she couldn't be here today because she's in Florida. She says, "Hi, my name is Michaela, and I've been going to Legacy Youth for about two and a half years. I've been attending other churches and events in the past." 
but they weren't like Legacy. During the past two and a half years, I've grown more with God because of Legacy's help. They taught me God's there for me and not against me. He taught <laughs> that he is always there for me. All I need to do is reach out and ask him. Nine times out of 10, he will respond and help me. If he doesn't respond, I just take that as a sign that God doesn't want that for me because he always wants us best. There was a time when I didn't like God because I thought that he let something bad in my life happen. I know that is, I know that was really the enemy trying to find a way to get, get to me. Legacy Youth helped me realize that God knew the situation was going to happen and that he knew a way to help me through it. I'm thankful that Legacy Youth helped me and will still help me during these upcoming years. Hello, everyone. How y'all doing? Great. So today we're going to start our little sermon with a guessing game. So I'm going to name some facts about a person, which you may know or you may not. And at the end, I'll ask you to identify the person. And if you get it correct, you'll get a $25 gift card. There will be a 95% tax on that, but you still come out with something. So the first fact is when I was seven years old, my family was forced out of our home because of a legal technicality. I had to work to support my family at the age of nine while still a backwards, shy little boy, uh, my mother died. At the age of 22, I lost my job as a store clerk. I wanted to go to law school, but my education wasn't good enough. At 23, I went into debt to become a partner in a small store. And three years later, my partner died, leaving me with a huge debt, which took me years to repay. At 28, after developing a romantic relationship with a young woman for four years, I asked her to marry me, and she said no. At 37, on my third try, I finally was elected to US Congress. However, two years later, I ran again and failed to be reelected. At that time, I had a nervous breakdown. At 41, adding to an additional heartache to an already unhappy marriage, my son died. The next year, I ran for land office, but I lost. At 45, I ran for Senate, and again, I lost. A few years later, I ran for the vice presidency, and guess what? I lost. At 49, I ran for the Senate again, and I lost. Surprise, he kept going. At 51, I was elected as president of the United States. Who am I? Oh, you guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe that the only way that he did this was because he was a man of God, and he had to know what God saw in him. So... Today, our sermon is about God's perspective of ourselves. I think that's what it's about, yeah. So, life can get a little messy, and our thoughts can get negative and clouded with each negative experience. And as you heard in Lincoln's story, he had a lot of negative experiences. But God loves you more than your mistakes. He wants you to see yourself as he does. Today, I have an example to help you understand God's perspective of yourself. So your perspective of yourself can change, but God's will stay the same. So here I have a large jar, and it's kind of shaped like a head. We got some glasses and a neck. So the water represents our perspective, our thoughts and feelings about our life. So it remains clear 
until you say you believe a lie, you fall short, or you're unforgiving. Some examples of how your perspective can change is, say, the first one, you're a bad parent. So your perspective will change. You believe, since you fought with your kids, you're a bad parent. There's one drop, and now your perspective of yourself has already changed. Another one is you could believe that you are falling short because of financial issues. So here's one more that you can't provide for your family. And my last one, maybe it's a battle inside of you, say that you can't forgive because of a past hurt. So you believe that you just can't forgive people. Oh, I got dial over my hand. So when we feel failure at some point, our viewpoint will change. And as you can see, it's already dark and clouded, and we're unable to see clearly. So I want you to know that even if you think that you are incapable of raising your children, providing for your family, or forgiving people, God, let's see, even though all that stuff, God sees you through your mistakes and through that, and he is there to help you. So I have a jar of bleach, and hopefully I don't spill because otherwise... I'll have to get new carpet, so maybe I'll try to spill a little bit. But this one represents God's perspective. So we have some verses to speak about that. So for the first one, we have Hebrews 12:11, which will speak the truth that God believes about parenting. And Hope will read it for us. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. one's kind of short. Okay, so for the second one, we have Proverbs 22.6, which will also speak truth about parenting. And Hope will again read it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Awesome. So for our next set of verses, we're going to talk about providing. So I have Jeremiah 29.11 which talks about providing. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Thank you. And another one that I have is Philippians 4.19, which will again talk about providing. And in this situation, I'm talking about providing financially, but there are many ways that God will provide for you. The same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to you and given to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you. And so I also have some verses to speak about forgiving. And the first one is Ephesians 4:31 through 32. My stick keeps falling in. Here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So as you can see, <clears throat> excuse me, the water is already turning clearly, but we have one more verse to make it even clearer. And that is, let's see, Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Awesome. So as you can see, the water is relatively clear. Um, you are able to see because, yes, it's clear. So our perspective of ourself may darken, but God will clear it up. He sees you as a beautiful and wonderful child, even through your mistakes. His perspective of you is clear and brilliant. Let's see, where's my conclusion here? So, I hope this message that we have given clears your perspective of God's perspective of yourself. Because his perspective won't change. So you got to change yours. He loves you. You are loved by God. He sees you more clearly than you see yourself. So, I'd like to end this sermon with a quote from Marielle. Marielle Nitz. Um, Although you see yourself as stupid and dumb, God sees you perfectly. So you, can, you guys can take that either way. I choose the positive way. Good morning. My name is Samara. And I'm Soraya. And we'll be talking about releasing our burdens to God. Okay, so one of the sins I can sometimes struggle with is I can be a little bit judgmental. Um, so I can judge by people's actions, their comments, or say mean things to my siblings. But we were doing a devotional or something one day with my mom, and she said, it's not our place to judge like God did the judging, because that's his place, because he's God. So one of the verses I thought that went with that really well was James 4.12. There is only one, one lawgiver and judge, he who, is, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So what nailing my sins to the cross means to me is me, hand, me handing over my sins to God so I can be clean again. So how I would normally nail my sins to the cross is, one, I would look for sins I struggle with, or if I already have one in my mind or in my heart, I don't use this step. Two, I ask God to take my sins away and ask for his forgiveness as well. Um, three, and then I thank God, for Jesus dying on the cross for us and for stripping our sins away. Um, one more verse is Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. For me in my life, a big struggle has been worry, and I would worry about smaller things throughout the day to bigger things in my life, such as recently my brother moved out, and... I was really worried about how our relationship would change because I, he's always been someone that I've looked up to and sort of leaned on in my life. And I was worried that I would barely see him when he moved out. And um, so I would ask God to give me peace in my life about that. But then I wouldn't completely trust him with that. Um, so then I would go back to worrying instead. And I realize that there's no way for me in my life to live at peace while I'm still worrying. And so one day I was reading my Bible and I was reading in Philippians. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, starts off by saying, do not be anxious about anything. And in my life I had been being anxious about everything. And it goes on to say, um, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
After I read this verse, I really realized that God would take care of me and all of my needs, no matter if I saw that or not. And then on top of that, later that day, I was doing my devotions, and it was coincidentally enough talking about worry. And uh, they were, it was saying how when we worry, we lean, we lean on our own understanding, trying to find solutions for our own situations, when we should be leaning on God and his solutions for our situations. And it was saying how a proud man is full of himself while a humble man is full of God. And what that means is basically when you're being trying to find your, um, trying to worry and you're trying to find your own solutions for your situations and trying to act like you know more than God and better than God, when God, whether you like it or not, knows more than you and has his best for you in mind even if you can't see it sometimes. And so another way I lean on God is by nailing my burdens to the cross. And what nailing my burdens to the cross is, means to me is a way of releasing my burdens or sins to God and having him take them from me instead of me carrying them. First, I would have something in mind, and today it would be worry. So this is worry. I don't know if you can read it or not. And then I'll nail it to the cross. And then I thank God for taking worry away from me, and I would ask him what he wants to give me instead. And like it says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I know that God would want to give me peace instead of worry. Now I'd like everybody to think of something or ask God for a burden or sin that, they, that he'd like you to give up today. And if you're questioning whether it's legitimate or not, most of the time it is, but a sentence you can like use to help you is, and God wants it that way. And what I mean by that, for example, I'm always worried and God wants it that way. And I know that that's not true, so I know that I can nail that to the cross. Now we can picture nailing whatever burden we're sent to the cross right now. And we can thank God for taking that away from us. And we can ask him what he wants to give us instead. You can use this anytime, anywhere, however many times you need throughout the day or throughout the week. Um, because we know that there's no limit to God's love for us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.